I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Welcome to our Meet the Coaches podcast series. We will be continuing to sprinkle these episodes into the regular podcast schedule to let you guys meet our amazing coaches here at Run for PRs. We actually interviewed Coach Megan back in 2019, which is crazy to think it was already three years ago now when we first started the podcast. But we wanted to bring her back on the show because a lot has happened in her life since this last episode that we aired. Today, we will be chatting with Megan all about her Olympic trials qualifying journey, her pregnancy, her postpartum running journey, and then the events that happened in the 2021 Boston Marathon, and then her recovery from that. So welcome back, Megan. There's just so much we want to cover in this episode. But before we jump right in, how um, have you been doing lately? Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I am. Um, I'm very excited that we're doing this. And like you said, I can't believe it's been since 2019. I just, um, like you said, so much has happened. But no training um, lately is going good. Just um, I'm pretty much running every day and really focusing on strength training a lot more, um, maybe than previous training cycles. Um, just and now just easing back into workouts and um, which has been fun. So I've, I've had a lot of good news with testing um, since my incident and being able to come back to normal training has um, been really good. So I'm very happy. You know, there's a lot of un- unknowns initially. So I'm just very happy to be able to continue doing what I love and hopefully longer term. Um, you know, who knows, it'd be great to come back and do a marathon, but um, just kind of focusing on enjoying training and having fun with it and, and not putting, um, you know, too much pressure on any, you know, really races and things like that, which hopefully in the, in the future, you know, can come back to regular, regular racing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been so awesome to watch your recovery through social media. And I know you share a lot of that on Instagram and then just knowing you personally, um, it's just been really inspiring to watch what's all happened in the last couple of months. And I'm sure we'll dive into that in more detail later, but for people who maybe didn't listen to the first episode who, or who really don't know anything about you, maybe doing like a quick recap of how you went from just a soccer player in college uh, to running that OTQ time in 2019. Yeah, so um, kind of like, yeah, played soccer for 16 years, played through college, um, played at UMD. Um, and my last year um, or my senior year, I decided to do grandma's marathon. Um, I'd heard that less than 1% of the nation has 
um, run a marathon at that time. And I had always thought to do a marathon. And as much as our coaches kind of wanted us to wait on doing any type of marathoning or distance running, just because being a soccer player, of course, it's a lot more fast twitch, um, sprinting, and it can make you quite a bit slower. <laughs> so I um, still had kind of decided to do the marathon, which um, of course ended up being fine. I ran a 307 on my first marathon and um, just have always loved to run. Running, you know, outside of being a soccer player, I grew up just like running the same shape and just like enjoyed it as just something I like to do in my everyday life and um, and being a soccer player and stuff like that. So um, after my first marathon, just um, wanted to keep improving and, um, you know, with running a 307, um, was extremely motivating just that, you know, think to eventually get an Olympic qualifier and to think I could really, you know, have the potential to um, even go, you know, pro or, you know, who knows, you know, I, I was just, I was so excited just to continue my journey with it. And now I've been marathoning, you know, since then and um, worked with a couple different coaches and I, I'm trying to think, yeah. So, and then Boston, my, um, in 2019, of course, with running my um, Olympic qualifying or a 244, um, I'd run Boston one other time in 2011. And um, since then working at lifetime and just being around a lot of runners and everyone was kind of asking me like, you know, are you doing Boston this year? And so every year it would come up, are you, are you doing Boston this year? And, um, I'd always kind of had my qualifier just from doing marathons every year. And I was like, no, probably not this year. And then, um, when, when I started coaching with the team and just, you know, um, the, you know, the excitement around Boston and, you know, having so many of our athletes, having that as a, as a big goal for qualifying and, and racing Boston, um, decided to kind of put that as, you know, a really big kind of scary goal at the time. I, I feel like I was coming back from injury. I, I think I was out of training for a few months from, um, a posterior tibialis injury mm-hmm. and wasn't able to run much. And then started working with my coach again, put, you know, Boston as my goal for my OTQ, which, um, I know we've talked about, and, you know, we'll talk about this week too, just with Boston coming up is just the weather in April is always so hit or miss with Boston. So no matter how well your training can go, and that can be any race, it's, um, Boston's always been kind of one of those, you know, it can be great conditions, it can be terrible conditions. Um, but I think that's, you know, any marathon and things like that. Um, so my training cycle, you know, once I had planned Boston, um, best training cycle of my training, um, workouts just went you know it was like every week just kept building off and I just I never felt so prepared um and healthy you know staying basically completely healthy throughout my whole training cycle running a couple half marathons um I just never felt so strong and fast and like ready just to like go and race and um you know talking with my coach um even going out there he had just said um, I think the best advice going into the race that he had said was race your own race. Like, don't let anyone like, you know, push the pace, like just go out there, race your own race. And because um, even when I raced um, that year, I was running with another running friend of mine that I'd met through Instagram and um, a couple other people. We kind of met, you know, up at the village before the race and we're all planning on, you know, going out and racing together. We all had the same you know, a sub 244 time goal. And when we were racing, um, I was running with her up until about halfway. And I remember I got halfway and she, she was kind of just kept pushing the pace. And I just remember the coat, my coach in the back of my head was like, 
Megan, like, remember, like, race your own race. Don't let anyone push the pace, you know, um, like, just go out there and run. And I remember I eased back so I could see her in the distance, but I, like, eased back kind of going into Newton Hills and Heartbreak Hill. Um, and so kind of still seeing her in the distance, you know, still kind of pacing and right around um, the pace that um, was, you know, feeling good. And then, um, you know, kind of went through Newton Hills, Heartbreak Hill. I was, it was crazy. Like I'd never felt so strong, like running up hills. And I felt like I, I just felt like so good. You know, it just, I paced it really well. Um, I remember the last couple miles, um, I started kind of getting that anxiety, like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually doing this. Like, you know, I just, um, just had never really felt that good at that point of the race either. Usually I feel like um, a lot of marathons I've um, went way too fast and, you know, whether it was trying to run a certain goal time or like in previous training cycles, trying to race my Olympic qualifier when maybe I wasn't quite in good enough shape. And so um, usually, you know, obviously those last five, six miles, um, you know, it hit the wall pretty hard and was, you know, still able to finish in a good time, but not in the time that I was hoping. And um, so it was just, you know, the sun came out, it started getting pretty warm. Um, I was getting anxiety because I was still feeling really good, but I was just, you know, worried that, you know, maybe something was gonna, you know, change the last couple of miles. Um, but yeah, when I, you know, turned the coin, the corner and saw the clock and was like, it was just like the best feeling in the world. And I just, I don't know, crossing the finish line. Like I just, I had so many emotions. I just, I didn't even know like what, to, like, I didn't know if I should cry or like start, like I was just smiling and like crying. And like, I just didn't even know, like I was just so overwhelmed because it was just, you know, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, and being a coach, I want everyone to experience that, you know, no matter what their race goal is going into a race and, you know, having a really good training cycle and just seeing, you know, the, the work that they put in pay off and have those like moments. Cause it's just, you know, being a runner, there's just nothing like it, you know, when a race goes that well. So I just, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's like so exciting to hear. I almost want to release this before Boston so people can get jacked up because it's really fun when you have one of those races where everything goes well. And just so people are aware from your first marathon to that day, was there about a decade of training in between? Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. So first marathon 2008. Um, yeah. So almost, yeah, about 10, 10 and a half years about a marathoning. Wow. Yeah. And then I know you had mentioned earlier, like when you were doing the recap, you were saying usually like those last couple miles, I could definitely relate to that. Like you don't feel that good. And so to have one of those days where it finally all comes together, it makes it so much more special because there were so many attempts where maybe you didn't feel great the last couple of miles. So how many marathons did you do before you ran that 244 time? Um, let me think. So that would have been my, um, I think, yeah, 12 marathons. Wow. Uh, yeah, 12 marathons. Oh, and for all of those, were you like attempting that 244 time or were you just trying to get like faster? I would say the first, I'm trying to think from like 2008 until trying to think of when I started working with Dennis. So my very first coach, um, Dennis Barker, when I started working with him, that was because that's when I kind of joined the local training circuit and started doing more shorter distances too. And, um, you know, first time having an official coach, but he, I'm trying to like, we started working together 
leading into 2016. So I, I think like 2014, we started working together. So the first six years of marathoning, I, I kind of did it just as my own, you know, like I love to marathon. I was always in a marathon training cycle. I never raced another race besides the marathon, basically right. my first six years of running. So it was always like, I, I didn't really go off of like really structured training. I think, um, you know, as training went, I, I started doing more with, um, you know, specific workouts, but my first years was just, I felt like I was always in a marathon training cycle. Um, so I, I think I, like every race I go into, I would just kind of chip away from my time. I wasn't doing like structured workouts and like tempos. I would kind of just go out and run. I do like a 20 mile run every, you know, other weekends and, um, and, and just kind of like enjoyed it. Right. Like it wasn't, yeah. I kind of took the pressure off. I just did marathon. So I think from like my 307, the fastest I trained myself to was a 247, um, prior oh, wow. to working with Dana. So I'd, I'd actually, and that was when I started doing more specific workouts. I was working as a trainer at lifetime and started doing more with metabolic testing and, um, focus more on performance. So, and then when Dennis, when I started working with him, I tried to get my Olympic qualifier in 2016. And, and that's when it was a 243. So mm -hmm. I think even at that time, I could have maybe ran a 245. But going out at the 243 um, pace, I just I was I was within like a minute or two, I want to say at that pace, like I, I feel like I think I was able to hold it maybe for 18, 19 miles. And then I just completely crashed. I think I ran like a Still, still like a 254. So, um, but I think that was like CIM 2015. Um, yes, yes. Well, yeah. So, no, I would say like every race, but I'd say more specifically going into 2016, that was my first time trying to get my Olympic qualifier. And so, and, and CIM was my first attempt with that, then running in 254. And then, um, and then since then, I had kind of struggled through injury. I had my car accident which I know we, I think we talked about on the, you know, there was um, some significant like time periods in that too, where like, you know, even getting injured a lot. And I just, um, so yeah, I feel like I've had really good training cycles and, you know, was always kind of going for the OTQ in the last however many years, but then I would get injured and then my training cycle wouldn't go as well. And then I, I wouldn't be quite in good enough shape. So um, I feel like 2019 was like my first time that like, just training and staying healthy and like, you know, all, like all those things came together. So, right. Yeah. And that's super cool that, um, from that grandma's time when you ran 247 to Boston to run 244, a lot of people listening are probably like, she shaved 20 minutes off in the first six years. And then the next five years, it took you, you know, five years to shave three minutes off. But really it's like, as you get faster, like all of the things just have to come together, like so much more specifically, and it's so much harder to get faster. So it's just a testament to like hard work does pay off and like all that consistency that goes into training. Eventually you could have that breakthrough day down the road. But I think a lot of the times athletes will maybe like give up when the going gets tough or they think, Oh, you know, I've, I've been at this for a couple of years and it's just not working out. So might as well just kind of like give up on that long-term dream that I have. Um, what would you say to people who are maybe like struggling with that? They're in a season where they just haven't really seen like the results of the work they're putting in. Yeah. So I, 
um, I mean, I would say, I mean, you know, never give up. I mean, never give up on your goals and dreams, of course. And that's obviously really cliche, but I mean, honestly, like if it's important to you and it's something that you like can't go without thinking about, like if you really want to do it, I mean, it's, it's worth every, you know, step of the way and it's worth the process. It's, you know, it really takes like, you know, one like really good training cycle and, you know, and, and having a coach that you work with that, you know, works really well with your training style and, um, and, and that is really invested and cares about your training a lot. And, and even yourself, like, you know, um, staying motivated, having that goal in mind and, and, and just making it happen. Cause I mean, it, it does happen and it, it can take, you know, like, you know, one just really good training cycle to happen. Like it's, you know, I mean, it's obviously nothing, you know, happens overnight. It's always a process, but I think what we, you know, as runners, you know, so much of it's, I mean, we can't just put like our training on like, you know, results, like it's, yeah. it is really, you know, a lifestyle and just something that, you know, a lot of us just, you know, really enjoy doing. And it's, you know, there's just so many great things about being a runner that, um, you know, just, I mean, not just, you know, but always having like the end goal in mind, but then also just enjoying the process and everything else that comes along with it. I feel like too is just so important for, but I, yeah, I don't think anyone should ever give up. I mean, if they have a goal yeah. in mind, like they're going to do it, like just, you know, stay focused and, you know, make it happen. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. Staying committed is totally key, especially, you know, when the going gets tough and, you know, diving into like the next topic of this conversation is like 2020, right? That was a tough year for a lot of people, but I know it started off with you going to that 2020 um, Olympic trials marathon. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience there and what it was like. Yeah. So um, yeah. So Olympic trials, um, a lot of mixed emotions around it. I, I knew going into the race that, I don't know, like there's always that like glimpse of hope that right. everything kind of comes together. Maybe I'm in way better shape than I think I'm in. You know, but even going into, um, you know, race day, talking to my coach, he's like, he's had, you know, he always has this, everyone always has stories about, you know, circumstances that, you know, all of a sudden kind of, you know, race day comes and things click and maybe go a little bit better than expected. I had a really hard training cycle, um, completely kind of opposite of what, you know, going into Boston, I, um, you know, kind of long story short, like, you know, coming off my Boston training cycle, I was just, I was more motivated than ever. I was so excited, you know, finally got my Olympic qualifier, was going into the best months of training, um, you know, with Olympic trials, you know, a little bit out, like 10 months away. Um, I was just, you know, my initial thoughts were, I'm just going to have like the next best race and experience in my life. And I'm just going to keep building from here and it's going to go amazing. You know, it was just like all these like great things, you know, coming out of Boston. And then I, I think like my summer of training went great and I was doing like the highest mileage I'd ever done. So kind of focusing on speed and preparing for it. But then I got to, you know, the months leading into it and struggled with quite a bit of injury. My, my hip, I think it started with like my hip and then, you know, it's like you start with one injury and then, yeah. you know, being a little bit stubborn and not really, um, you know, I kind of talked to my coach, but at the same time, I was still trying to kind of push through workouts and, you know, maybe workouts I shouldn't have pushed through. And, um, you know, I kind of went against like a lot of what I had learned from training from those years, you know, previous that, you know, one workout isn't worth like being injured for like a week or two, like just, you know, give your body a break. And I feel like I was just so stressed because I was just so wanting to have like the best race of my life and everything was like falling apart. And I like 
didn't know, you know, what to do. And it's hard with, you know, Olympic trials because it's a set date. Like you can't just move right. to another marathon. It's like, you're either ready or you're not ready. Yeah, okay. And I went into it. And then of course it ends up being one of the hardest like days. I mean, between the hills and the wind, yeah. I just, it just crushed me. And then being in like that packed of everyone they kind of pushed the pace I was looking at my paces and I mean I started off like I was in like the best shape of my life and I was not in the best shape of my life (laughs) you know so it's just like I just remember I got to mile 16 and I think it's like Olympic trials it was my dream to get there so I tried to just focus on the positivity of being able to experience it no matter what um you know if I would have if I would go back like well so my mindset going into it too was you know I came here to race my best if I'm not able to race my best like I'm going to at least race as much of it at my best I think was kind of my mindset too yeah. I was a little bit stubborn going into it um you know I could easily ease back the pace and maybe ran like a you know like a three-hour marathon or something like that you know just at that time with like where I was at with training but I just stubbornly went in like I'm just gonna go run it hard see what happens and I just um yeah, so I feel like it, it was such a, it, like, one of the most heartbreaking experiences, because I just, I was more than anything just wanting to have, like, you know, after Boston was expecting way more, <laughs> you know, on, on myself and, like, racing performance, and I just, and I just wasn't ready from, like, being injured, so, um, but it was unbelievable to be there, and it was, like, when I was out there, I'm, like, it's, like, Instagram like runners it's like runners world right ever you look it's like someone that you're like oh my gosh I can't believe I'm in the same room as this person you know right and just in this running into people so it was such a fun experience too I mean just like the dinners and like seeing like friends and like people that like I knew you know that were also qualified and people you know so it was just like a neat really like amazing experience at the same time I just was really disappointed in the race Right. And it's such like a cutthroat kind of race. And I think when a lot of people see athletes kind of going into it, it, they sometimes like project um, maybe like their own marathoning experience onto that. So when we, Jason and I, we watched the 2016 trials out in LA and then we ran the LA marathon the next day. But I just remember watching the trials. I was like, this is a different type of marathon. Like people, I mean, it was like everyone dropped out. I mean, like half the people, cause they were doing exactly what you described. It's like, they were there to go hard <laughs> for as long as they could. And then they didn't, it wasn't like a, oh, I'm just gonna kind of finish this off. It was just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like, and they would just yeah. stop. Yeah. So was that kind of the case at 2020 as well? Did you notice that other people were kind of having a similar experience? I I know there were quite a few people that were planning to also run maybe Boston that year too. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and I think that, you know, this is right before COVID had hit. So we had no idea what was going to happen, you know, right. after that. Because I think if people knew they might have, you know, raced it different also. Because, right. um, you know, Boston got canceled, things like that. But I think some people, they want to do like one, I'd heard some people, they just want to run like one lap and be done. Right. And then they were going to go out to Boston. Um, you know, some people you know, maybe just not race, you know, but yeah, I think how many people did finish? I think the conditions too, you know, of course, you know, but being a lot harder race conditions than people are expecting. um, I think quite a few people did, you know, end up dropping out and, um, or just didn't race the race that they were hoping, you know? So I think it's, um, and some people did, some people, you know, obviously still did amazing and still, you know, um, ran great races. I just, um, yeah, I think it was definitely a hard day for a lot of people too. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and that's why they do the race, right. Is to get the top, the top three marathoners and it's like on any given day. And that's why they kind of pool 
um, a whole bunch of people together just to see because in the marathon, like anything can happen, really. So I think that's cool that you got to experience that. And, and then just sharing that that's, you know, kind of how how some of those races go um, at, at that level, for sure. And then moving into like what happened right after. Um, so that was like February 2020. And then obviously like all of all the COVID stuff hit. And then right around the same time, you found out that you were pregnant. So talk to me a little bit about like your pregnancy journey, running during pregnancy and going through pregnancy during a global pandemic. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think back on that. I mean, just COVID in general, I think everyone, you know, we think back to, you know, so yeah, so it was Olympic trials and it was basically like the month after, right? The month after COVID happens, you know, everything was going into lockdown. Um, and then, yeah. And then, you know, I find out on my, my birthday that, you know, I'm pregnant. So yeah, so mid-May, so about eight weeks pregnant. Um, and even before that, like, you know, I, I'd love to work with my last coach, Dennis. I, I had kind of just the mindset of wanting to find another coach as well. And I remember I'd reached out to um, Cameron, who's my coach now, um, and started working with him. So I think mid-March, I'd reached out to him on Instagram, was just curious if he was um, bringing in new athletes. And we had connected, chatted over the phone, um, brought me in as an athlete. So then by April, so I started working with him. So basically, you know, not knowing I'm pregnant, start working with him for about four weeks. And then, you know, finding out I was pregnant, I remember the morning of my birthday, because that's when we were doing the virtual race series. Um, and um, I think we had the 10 mile race that week. And I was like, well, I might as well run on my birthday. Like, what, you know, what a fun way to like start my birthday and, you know, being in COVID and, you know, we we're um, doing the virtual race. I'd never really raced um, I think I'd done the half marathon too that we had done. So then, you know, went out there, raced that morning. Um, I was a little bit worried that I was pregnant. Um, and then, you know, went on race it and I got home. I'm like, I'm like, I have to be pregnant. Like, there's no way I'm not <laughs> pregnant with like, just how, and I like, I went and got finally another pregnancy test after one had come back negative two weeks prior and found out I was pregnant. So yeah, so then went through that. That was a big surprise. Um, you know, the biggest blessing of my life. I absolutely love Jax, of course. You know, it's the best thing. Being a mama, you know, not that it wasn't something that I, um, you know, I eventually wanted to have kids, but I feel like even like my running career, I had always kind of put, you know, that on like the back burner. I just wanted to focus on myself and my running goals and, you know, just had never really thought to, you know, I'd, I'd probably wait, you know, I was kind of wanting to wait, but then, you know, COVID happened and, then it kind of ended up being, well, if I'm going to have a baby, this is probably the best time to have a baby. So, um, you know, and then, you know, being, you know, in lockdown, running through pregnancy, um, thankfully, I feel like I had one of the smoothest pregnancies, um, at least for, you know, being a first time mom and um, going through pregnancy. So, um, you know, kind of knew I'm like, it has to be a boy. So then, you know, finding out with like Jax, which I know obviously can still go different with pregnancy, but you know, right. I felt pretty good first trimester. Um, I wanted to say, you know, extremely active in my pregnancy, um, worked with my coach up until like 20 some weeks pregnant, you know, I'm like the pregnant girl still sprinting like around the lake, you know, in my crop tops, which I think, um, you know, which made my pregnancy a lot of fun. You know, I, I turned it into, you know, not necessarily trying to um, think I'm going to hit the same paces, but just to have fun with it and like still do some workouts and just see how long I could go before I had to start backing off my training. And 
Um, so even working with Cameron, I mean, he was amazing to work with. And of course, he was like one of the first people to find out that I was pregnant because I had to tell him with training. Um, so just kind of funny, you know, I'm like, I didn't hire you as a new coach, you know, and expecting to get pregnant. So um, so anyways, yeah, so once in pregnancy, I think I ran up until two days um, before. I mean, of course, you know, you've ran, you know, through pregnancy and um, you were such an inspiration because even all the advice you had given me and, um, you know, just seeing you do it, like it just, it gave me so much motivation. And, you know, um, I think that's, you know, the great thing about our running community and a lot of us, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of pregnant women now and right. um, as well as you. And it's, it's so, you know, it's also so empowering, like carrying a child and running and, and just, I don't know, pregnancy is just such a beautiful experience. Like I'm happy I was able to have, you know, experience it and things went pretty smooth. And I, I guess like my mindset too, is just to be able to come back to training and, um, you know, in, in the best shape as I could, right. So get through pregnancy. still, you know, focused on just staying healthy and things like that. But I wanted to really kind of bounce back and be ready to, um, you know, go for my next PR for which was, you know, Boston in October. So um, it ended up being perfect, you know, with being an October race and having time to build back up towards it. Yeah. And it's so great to hear like you were able to stay active throughout your pregnancy. And I know, yeah, 25 was kind of interesting. And just with the run for PRs coaches, I feel like five of us were all pregnant all at the same time. <laughs> COVID. So we must have all kind of got the same idea like, oh, you know, all races are canceled. But I'm sure it was just coincidental timing since a lot of us are at that um, child rearing age, I suppose. But um, yeah. And then, so uh, tell me a little bit about like your birth experience, recovery, postpartum, like, was it kind of what you expected to be? And then like, what were those first couple months like easing back in? Yeah. So um, for my pregnancy, I think I ended up being in like just over 30 hours of labor, um, which my water had broke. So my water broke um, in the middle of the night, called the father he like came to pick me up. We went to the hospital. Um, and like, I don't feel like I, they're like, you're definitely having contractions, but I don't feel like I felt like my contractions in, initially. So it was kind of a process just from like when my water had broke to actually starting to feel the contractions. Um, and so then I think like by like mid afternoon that day, we got to the hospital, maybe like eight in the morning. And, um, by mid afternoon that day, like started having contractions and, um, went into it just, you know, thinking it was going to be just a normal birth. And then, you know, of course they don't really want the birth to go longer than 24 hours and just with like risk of infection or, you know, things that can go wrong. So things were going smoothly. And, um, but I think they could only get me dilated to like a seven or an eight Mm -hmm. by the time they're finally like, you know, if we can't get you know, him further down the birth canal and, um, we're going to have to do a C-section. And by that time I'm like, you know what, like, I just, I'm like, so excited to meet him. Like, let's just plan the C-section and like, you know, just get this done or whatever. And I was just so over like the fact of, you know, being in birth for for that many hours. Totally. Yeah. Since since your water broke, I think that's, that plays a role in like the 24 hours. So it's just, yeah, it's tough when that clock starts ticking. So you ended up having a C-section yeah, so I end up having a C-section. So they're like, you know, in an hour, we're going to plan the C-section. Um, they found out that he was sunny side up. So, and I'd heard from other moms that it can cause damage to the baby and then also to the mom. So thank goodness, you know, we didn't force him out. 
like that we just you know they did the c-section we were able to get them out so I feel like it was a lot different um and I'd heard from you know other moms it's you know I'd met with my hairdresser like a week or two before and she's like you're gonna go into the pregnancy feeling really fit and strong and you're gonna like walk out of the hospital and like those first days um Mm -hmm. you're gonna be like you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, what happened to like all my strengths and all the work I put in during the pregnancy, you know, type of thing. So I just remember I, well, such as the C-section and being a major abdominal surgery, um, I just felt so weak. I could barely like lower my toes for toe taps or even like laying on my back was weird. Like I had just lost so much core strength that until I started working with my PT and like really like building back my core, I just, um, I felt like I was aerobically fit. Like I could, like, I felt like I could run faster, but I like physically couldn't run faster because my core was so weak. Right. Like the mechanics, like your body just fell off. Yeah. Yeah. So it took like, I would say those first months, like, um, it felt good. Like, I feel like, you know, I, I got cleared a little bit earlier than the six weeks to come back. They're like, you know, if you're, you're feeling good, you know, just like all the different things that they say to wait for, um, before returning to running. Um, of course was just so excited to start running again. And, um, but yeah, so yeah, between like me with the PT, um, and like rebuilding a lot of that core strength and then kind of easing back into it. I just, um, just try to stay patient and just remind myself, like, you're going to come back stronger. And, you know, I've heard, you know, and even, you know, you, you know, as like such a good example of like coming back and like, re- you know, hitting new PRs and, you know, running stronger than ever. And like all the success, you know, just all the amazing stories you hear about, you know, coming back postpartum and then also, um, you know, just, yeah, being able to come back and be in, you know, even better shape than, you know, pre-pregnancy and stuff like that was like so motivating. And I just kept reminding myself of that and just enjoying the process and things like that. Yes. And I know like our babies in 2020 were born like eight weeks apart or something like that. So I felt like I was on a similar timeline to you. And one of the things that kind of struck me, like after the first couple of months back, at least for me, I was like starting to look for races on the calendar and thinking like, oh, you know, like 2020 is kind of over, like there'll be races. And I remember like that spring being like, oh my gosh, like there aren't really any races. And then I started to wonder like, oh, is grandma's going to happen? You know, are these majors in the fall going to happen? So it's kind of like a weird limbo sort of time. But do you remember when Boston like announced that they were going to like open the registration or I don't even remember how that all went down and how we decided to register. Yeah. Well, so they initially, they were going to have it in April. So I remember, and I was thinking to myself, like that might be too soon um, postpartum, but then when they decided to switch it to October, which I know I'm trying to think if I was registered when it was in April, I think, um, I don't know if I had registered it. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I think they had done, yeah, they were planning to have it on April and I don't think they had quite opened the registration yet. Yep. But then when they decided to move it to October, they had then reannounced like the registration. And so then when they moved it to October, I was like, Oh, that's perfect. You know, fall race, plenty of time to build back. Um, yeah. And then like doing Boston in the fall, I thought, wow, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like it's never going to be in October. So it was just really a cool cool experience to be able to sign up for it and and be training for it all summer. So how are you feeling? Like, how was your training cycle, you know, that summer kind of leading into the Boston race? Yeah. So 
I know it, it like extremely well, right? So I mean, right. kind of training to come back. I feel like by like May, June, um, things were starting to click again. I was feeling really fit. Like, you know, um, I was still kind of having hit or miss workouts, but then kind of as like summer was going, I was having consistent, just really good workouts. I was starting to hit paces. Like I, I just couldn't believe the paces I was hitting. Um, and then like, especially those, I would say like August, September, um, you know, October, like those last couple months, I would say, you know, running 70, 80 miles a week, like workouts were going extremely well, was feeling really fit, like loved my coach's workouts. It was just, it was so different than what I'd ever really done with, you know, some of my training in the past. I just, I liked the variety of workouts and like every week was, you know, exciting. And then it was just so neat to see, you know, how like training was like progressing and then like, um, so yeah, no training. I, again, you know, literally felt like the best shape of my life going into Boston. Um, you know, working with Cameron, we, you know, talked the day before and, um, you know, was planning. He's like, I really think you can run a 242. And, um, you know, but we, you know, even talking the day before, it was just kind of fun having the conversation. Like there's, there was really no pressure to run a certain time this year. It was kind of like, you know, coming back postpartum, like, Boston being such a special race, you know, with running so well in 2019 that like, um, it was just so neat to see, like, it was exactly kind of what I was like hoping for, right? It was like what I had like been planning through my whole pregnancy, like, and then the timing of the race was so special. And like my marathon training, you know, just another really good training cycle finally felt back to, you know, where I wanted to be. And, um, you know, talking to the day before, I'm like, you know, already planning, like, you know, past Boston, I'm like, yeah, this is oh. just gonna be like a really good baseline. And we can just like keep going from here. Right. So I feel like that was like, it was just so fun, like just going into it as like a fun race and taking the pressure off of like, any type of like, you know, OTQ or running like a certain time. So I feel like that was like, yeah, kind right. of a mindset going lot- into it. Yeah, yeah. And there wasn't like a lot of pressure on that, just because you had recently given birth, it would be like, not even 10 months postpartum, I think. And that brings up another point. I think you were talking about hitting those 70, 80 mile weeks. And I know a lot of the times the questions that I get from new parents is like, how do you find time to train? And I'm sure a lot of people are wondering that, you know, as they're hearing this, they're like, she had, you know, like a six month old, nine month old, and she's out there running and 70, 80 miles a week. So how did you structure your training around being a new mom um did you do a lot of stroller running or how did that go yeah no that's a good um gosh no it's crazy because I even think of the last like this week like Jack's kind of regressed a little bit on his sleep (laughs) so there was like two nights so I didn't sleep as well and I'm like I just don't you know postpartum it's like there was like no sleep it was like non-existent it was you know basically kind of exhausted all the time and even with training like yeah so it was a lot of stroller running and, and a lot of just um you know, if, if like my mom was off work, she'd come watch them for a couple hours, you know, depending on what time of the day or, um, you know, I'd have people helping out because I basically had Jack's full time the first six months, especially. Right. Um, but then people helping out. So like, um, like Blake's mom would watch them for, you know, like a day and, um, and stuff like that. So I, I usually have people come watch them if I had a workout. So then I could go and not have to worry about stroller running. Um, otherwise, yeah, a, a lot of stroller running and then bringing them up to lifetime too with daycare once he was three months um, was helpful too to have that couple hours. But um, gosh, I just remember like um, it it took a while to adapt. You know, it's it's definitely hard. Like I I think sometimes um, people will make even comments on mine and I kind of, 
I think I sometimes give off like the perception that it's like easy, you know, right. like, oh, feeling great. Like, you uh-huh. know, because I'm just like a positive person and I like to, you know, um, portray that with my Instagram. But even through pregnancy, like people, you know, I'm like, it was some days I'm like, it's hard. Like, it is so hard. Like in uh-huh. postpartum, it was so hard. I mean, I was exhausted half the time, but I think it was just focusing on like, um, you know, a friend of mine had said, he's like, you have this like new mama strength now. And it's just funny. Cause I always think of that because it's like, it's so true. You know, it's like, I just, um, it was just, you know, I had, you know, my baby at home. And then even when I leave for a couple hours, I just be so excited to like get back to him. And like, um, so it was just like such a, like a joyful time, like being a mom. So I feel like my son, like drove like every part of my training and, and of course he still does, but that was even during my pregnancy, like carrying him through. And then, you know, thinking, you know, when I was pregnant, like, I just can't wait till like, I'm at this part of my training and like, um, you know, the push him in the stroller. So, you know, there was just like, you know, being a mom, it's like you, you kind of think of like all these different, you know, timelines and like upcoming things that are gonna be like, so fun and exciting. And then like, so, so that made, you know, training really fun, just being able to share that with him too. Yeah, definitely. And totally relatable too. Right. I think, yeah, on Instagram, it's hard because it's like, it is kind of the highlight, highlight reel, right? And people aren't 100% like, oh, yeah, it was such a struggle. I hardly slept last night. Um, but yeah, like we all have those hard days and just kind of remembering your why and just remembering that sometimes you feel better if you go out and kind of get some movement in. So it's not like you're crushing every run. It's just consistency over time is what probably really helped you feel good and um it's good to kind of hear that you had those struggles too because I know sometimes people can idolize some people or be like I it she makes it look so easy yeah and, and it's definitely you know but it not I mean there's always challenges with, with training right I mean I just think you know and it all just goes back to mindset and kind of focusing on the positives because and with like any training week it's like you know some days just feel a lot harder than others and there's so many factors that go into training and um but yeah like you said I mean just staying consistent and just knowing that like the effort that you're putting in and um you know and throughout those days like only you know built kind of where, where you want to go and like you know goes towards your running performance and things like that so it just um yeah and we we all you know we all have those days yeah. And you really like nailed that training cycle too. Cause I remember following you along on social media or in between one of the happy hours, you were talking about like one of the workouts that your coach was having you do. A, I feel like, I don't know, maybe you remember more specifically, it was like some 24 mile workout with like, I don't know, like maybe it was two sets of 10 miles at like marathon pace or something. It sounded insane, but you were like, yeah, I crushed it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I think we met that Friday before. And I think I had it like the next it was the four by four. Oh, mile. okay. <laughs> but like a half mile between and I remember. Um, yeah, I know that was Yeah, that was a really good workout that um, working with my old coach, he had like a couple different um, loops of death, <laughs> he calls them because oh, they're yeah. kind of deathly workouts, at least they used to be now when I do the workouts, like they feel a lot better. I just think like, I'll just never forget the first time he brought me there, like, I don't know, probably like five years ago. And I finished like one loop and I like took my water bottle and I threw it. I'm like, what makes you think I'm in like good enough shape to do this? Like, it was like the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life, I felt like at the time. Oh but gosh. it's like, it also got me in like the best shape of my life. So I always like, now I've always embraced like the courses he showed me. And I used a lot of the second one he showed me. It's like a one mile loop over um by lake of the isles like on that back hilly area 
So, and, but it's now when I do the workout, I just think like Megan, just think of like how many races you, you know, how well you'd like race and your training's gone when you've done this loop with your training. So now I always embrace it as like a challenge and like, no, I'm getting in like really good shape when I, when I run that loop and stuff like that, just cause you know, just between hills and some, so I, I did a lot of that loop with my training too. So that was really helpful. I mean, of course getting ready for Boston. Um, and, um, and then some of my tempos, I feel like, you know, I, I just never been really good at like tempos with my training. And that was one thing. Um, and that's, um, our, our Dina, our Dina Castor, her book, um, oh, what is it? The, gosh, I have it. Run or was that? I read, I, I read it right before, um, Oh, what's the name of her book? It's it's about mindset, and she I read it right before Boston, two thousand nineteen. Oh yeah, um, and what, maybe it just I remember just you know always thinking and from like that book. It's it's a really good book, um, and I'll think of the name of it. But um, it just talks about you know obviously like building off your strengths, like just thinking of like building off your strengths and how it only makes like your or off your weaknesses, it only makes your strength stronger, and you know only makes your training stronger. So. Um, you know there's just a lot to you know focusing on I don't know your, your weaknesses with training so not looking right. at your weaknesses as like a, a hindering thing but like the stronger you make your weaknesses like you know the, the better it will make you as a runner and things like that so I just think you know with mindset but that was you know one thing like you know with like tempos and some of those workouts were just feeling really good and strong compared to like previous training cycles too Totally. And then you did a half, like a month out from Boston. And didn't you, I, th- I think you got like second place or you got, like 120. And so you were in like really good shape. Well, and that was also, I had COVID like the few weeks before that. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, yeah. So, well, I'm trying to think, yeah. So I had COVID and then I came back to like an 80 mile week of just running. So I took like a full week off training um, being quarantined with Jax and then came back to 80 miles and then the marathon or the half marathon was like the following weekend so like I had really good training kind of going into then getting COVID then coming back to running 80 miles which was exhausting coming back from COVID and then like kind of yeah kind of jumping into that half like hoping for you know to I mean basically first race and right since 2020 or 2019 maybe <laughs> yeah well because even with like I'm trying to think with um Olympic trials if I well I had TC 10 mile okay. I guess but yeah no that was like yeah basically like my first kind of and then postpartum I guess with Jack so it was like yep. my first race having you know Jack at the finish line so um yeah and then I I raced similar to the last time I ran it I mean obviously did not race it smart (laughs) I feel like I kind of just went out and just wanted to go like run it you know and have like a good workout and I should have paced it better um but but it was really fun you know I was just like excited to like go out there just run it hard and just see what I could do as like a good workout leading into then um, my last week of training before uh, right and taper I guess so that was yeah yeah, and then like coming off of COVID, it's like it's hard to know kind of what to expect <laughs> racing a couple weeks later. Yeah, so yeah, so that was, and then there was another. Um, I ran into um, Tyler, which his wife that placed second. So I think I ended up getting third. Oh, okay. She, I think she got second, but she, um, the our babies were born within like a week of each other but I kind of wish I would have you know raced with her because I think she ended up running like a 
seven or eight minute PR and, um, or maybe it was like a five or six minute half marathon PR postpartum. That's so fast. Yeah. And then she had um, paced it really well. So I just, I kind of, you know, like just thinking back on that, I'm like, if I would have maybe just paced it a little bit better, I think I could have finished a little stronger, but, um, but that was still a good kind of comparison to, you know, pre-pregnancy and being able to kind of come back and be at like a really good spot with training and um, yeah. So yeah like and that's like a good build-up to to boston right so i did a half kind of like in the same time frame like four or five weeks out from boston and then it kind of gave me like a good indicator okay like i'm in the type of shape i thought i was in right so going into to boston like how were you feeling kind of during your taper and then like just the race itself yeah so i um i felt pretty good through the taper um i know now to this as you know, we've kind of looked back on those couple weeks, especially after I got vaccinated and things like that. Um, there, there was definitely some runs where my heart rate was a little bit high. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it, like, and it's hard because, you know, we're all very hypersensitive. I feel like during our taper weeks, like if a workout doesn't go perfectly, it's all of a sudden, like, you know, or if you feel like, I don't know, I feel like those workouts, it's nice because you're in your taper weeks, but then it's almost like the stress of like, I feel like these just need to go extremely well because I'm this close to race day. And, you know, even though, you know, like the work's already like put into your training and it's, you still want those workouts go really well. So if they don't go perfectly, it's like hard to not get a little bit um, like frustrated or maybe like down on yourself a little bit or or, like thinking like, why am I not feeling better during these workouts? So I feel like that's, you know, total typical to every taper, <laughs> you know, it's normal, like, right. you know, a runner, and just, you know, with um, kind of those last workouts leading in the race day, but I looked back on those weeks, and I was moving, so I was moving up, um, moving apartments, and, like, I thought it was just the stress of moving, you know, some of the, like, more, like, humidity, and still kind of being warmer um, temperatures, like, here in Minnesota, and so, but then, um, so I felt okay, I can't say I felt great, but you know, like we just said, you know, right. Like the typical taper. taper pretty much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What usually happens going into the race day. So, but then I would say once I got out to Boston, you know, it's just like the excitement of being out there. And, um, it was so fun having, you know, you and Jason and, um, you know, our athletes out there. So it was just fun to have like normalcy back. It's like Boston's back. It was like, it was just so fun going into that race. Cause it was just, you know, what we've all been kind of waiting for is for Boston to be back. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like. And it was crazy. Cause it's like all of a sudden, I don't know if you felt the same way, but like, I hadn't been around a groups of people that large before since like 2019. So like seeing it all come back, it was like surreal. I felt like life was back. Like I was back. Like my soul was back. Like I just felt so happy going into that race. So I don't know if you resonate with that as well. Oh yeah, no, of course. Yeah, no, it was like, yeah. And even now this week has been so exciting. And I'm now a little bit bummed. I'm not going to be out there because it's, it's just such, you know, Boston is such an experience, you know, it's just, it's such an amazing race and like, um, yeah, yeah. but it would, yeah, it would be kind of soon going back. So I wanted to tag, I want to like, you have the opportunity if you wanted to share kind of like your experience, um, at, with what happened like at Boston, um, from your perspective. Yeah, so I, um, gosh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we kind of talk about all this, right? Like everything that's right. happened in the last, you know, since 2019 and like they're, you know, even going through pregnancy and, you know, coming back and like, you know, going into like Boston being in the best shape of my life and, you know, um, just, yeah, like I, I feel like 
I went into the race, you know, I was so excited, like you said, like, you know, finally felt like things were just kind of back to normal again. And like, um, after how well my training cycle had went, it was just exciting to be back at the starting line of a marathon, like, um, just ready to race, right? It just, right. um, so much excitement. And it's crazy, you know, because I ran into you that morning, right? And we're like, oh, let's do a quick selfie. And like, it was fun seeing you quick. And then, you know, but then it was like, 10 minutes to race starts. I just remember I was in such a rush. I didn't even have my bib on because I was chatting with the guy on the bus <laughs> next to me, like the whole way up. So I wasn't really thinking of like how fast it was going to be rushed off the bus to get to the starting line until right. I got off the bus and realized what time it was. Cause it's just funny, you know, when you get like caught up in a conversation with someone, you just don't really, you know, in Boston that you're so used to having so much time and yeah. for any marathon, you're never really that rushed. So I think it was the most rush I'd ever felt getting to the starting line. Um, yeah, didn't have my bib on. I think I had 10 minutes, like stopped, used the bathroom quick. Also ran into one of my athletes, was oh. like putting my bib on as I'm like <laughs> doing my warm up and talking to my coach. He's like, you know, you don't have to do like, you know, that much of a warm up anyways. He's like, you're going to be easing in the first couple miles, like, you know, just do like a five, 10 minute warm up. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get, you know, quick warm up in, put my bib on, get my like goo packets ready. Um, I remember I was really chilled coming off the bus. Um, so I like my teeth were chattering, like, you know, when you get really chilled and like, you can't stop your teeth from like chattering together. Yeah. Yep. So, so I was like that chilled, like getting off the bus and like with the wind, cause the window was open and, um, things like that. So then I was like also trying to warm up and like got to the starting line was trying to maybe find someone around me to pace off of first time, you know, wearing a watch, but, you know, talking to my coach, I, I was kind of excited because I'm like, you know, it'll be great just to have, you know, obviously the data, you know, and I, I mean, I've been using my watch consistently for like years now, but, um, you know, just had never raced a marathon with a watch. Like we've, you know, kind of talked about even leading into 2019, um, and how I didn't wear a watch for my Olympic Olympic qualifier and things like that. So just like kind of pacing off of feel and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know, like that morning, I, it's kind of, I remember thinking like, I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't feel this. Um, I know I, I kind of look back on those miles and what I remember, cause like, honestly, like, I don't remember a ton and some of it's just because it's, you know, it's easing into the race. Like, right. I mean, I kind of remember the crowds. I remember just trying to find people around me that were holding a consistent pace that I could pace off of. It was still pretty crowded with, um, you know, with the crowds and like at that point of the race, even at 7.4 miles and where I had claps, there was still quite a few people around. Um, but I just remember like that. And even looking at my heart rate monitor data, it's crazy how high my heart rate is. Like those first 7.4 miles, like my heart rate was like abnormally high, like, especially for me, especially from like my half marathon, my heart rate was maybe in like below 150s or like like 155, you know, for, but then mine, like for Boston, it was like redlining almost like, uh-huh. and I wasn't checking heart rate, you know, cause I just, right. you know, so variable, um, even with workouts, I, I don't really go off of heart rate. I go more off of feel and effort cause you know, dehydration, stress, sleep, like all those factors can, um, affect heart rate. So especially in, on race day, I, I just, I want to wear it to have the data, but not be so focused on it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and all that. So, but yeah, I just remember, I mean, I was racing and then like, so yeah, so the data is just interesting, like looking at the data and how high my heart rate was. But then when I collapsed, I just, um, 
I just, I remember I had like all of a sudden, like it just like hit me and I was like going fuzzy and I'm like, I just, you know, and even when I woke up in the ambulance, I thought I had passed out, you know, and um, I've had like a couple instances, mostly on the treadmill with training, I think from like, um, like from supplementing or like some dehydration and where I've, I've had a couple like close, like where I felt like I was going to pass out. And then of course I had, you know, the one incident when I did actually pass out. Um, which I don't know, I guess we could, I don't know. I mean, I know they took my vitals after, but they didn't mention anything heart related. I still don't know if it was heart related, you know? Right. Um, like treadmill. Yeah. And that's interesting about some of that treadmill stuff that happened to you a couple of winters back is there was one time where I was like really into treadmill running. And like, I had an instance where it's like, you get a little lightheaded. Like I got a little lightheaded on the treadmill. I had to kind of step off and like things were kind of going a little bit, but it's just like, I was pushing pretty hard in a workout. And so I think having that is like wildly different than like what actually happened to you out at Boston, like with the cardiac arrest situation for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. And I mean, of course, you know, since the incident and, and I mean, to be honest, like I didn't really know it was that common and not saying it's not, you know, it's super common, but now that, you know, it happened to me, you know, you just hear all the different stories of, you know, athletes that they just, you know, it happens and they, you know, they maybe even had like, um, you know, their annual physicals or had like health checks where like, there'd be no sign that they, anyone would ever have a cardiac arrest or, you know, even myself, I'm like, I know we have some, you know, that like runs in our family with um, being hereditary and things like that. But as far as I knew, I'm like one of the healthiest people I know, and right. except, you know, in my family and like any physical I've ever gotten, like if anything, like even like on the birth bed, when I was giving birth to Jack's my, or afterwards, my heart rate kept going below 40 beats. And so it kept setting the machine off. And so I'm like, I'm like, I'm a runner. Like I just have a really low <laughs> resting heart rate, you know, so they finally got the doctor to switch it. So it stopped beeping so much. Um, you know, so I mean, as far as I knew, like I just cardiovascularly, I just, I never thought I would ever have anything you know cardiovascular so when I woke up in the ambulance like yeah so basically you know like blacked out I don't even remember hitting the ground um and then waking up in the ambulance I I just remember waking up and just see it and then and they had said and I don't remember this but I was like begging them well I guess I maybe slightly remember but I was like begging them to let me finish the race like thinking I had just passed out you know just thinking it wasn't anything serious that I right. like passed out on the course and they just had to like check my vitals quick and I had no idea how much time had passed and like and so when I found out what happened to me I just like it, I mean I don't know like I feel like I was so overwhelmed with emotion that like I didn't even know like I didn't even know like what to think like what to do like the things I almost just died was like the scariest you know it's like the scariest thing of like it's just like are you kidding like how does that happen like how did that like you know and it's just you know I think back it's like it's hard because you go in thinking it's like it'd be like the next best day of your life and then like you almost die doing like what you love the most and what you've worked so hard to like I don't know come back and experience like total opposites of the spectrum right like like that day went like completely opposite of like how I thought it was gonna go and like and then immediately like thinking of Jack's and you know I mean being a mom it's so hard you know I don't know so like it's hard like I still think about it it's it kind of you know it just sucks and but at the same time like I'm so blessed like I'm so grateful to be here so it's yeah 
Yeah, it totally sucks. And that's the thing is sometimes just like bad things like happen to, to good people and life is just like, it just throws people these crazy curveballs sometimes and it's just totally not fair. And I remember when I finished, like we got a call from Patrick Cutter and he was just like, what happened to Megan? Because I had no idea at that point. We were back to the hotel and we were like, what are you talking about? Um I didn't understand, but then he like explained that like you you were down on the course and people were like giving you CPR and we were like looking at the tracker and we're like, oh my gosh, like he he's right, like she hasn't checked in like at any of these checkpoints. And so we just started like calling all of the hospitals. So it's like I feel it was kind of like even chaotic probably for like your family members and everyone just trying to figure out like where you were and stuff like because you were all alone in Boston you didn't really go out with anyone and then they just kind of took you you didn't have your phone or anything being in the Mm -hmm. hospital and yeah it it was like a wild journey I'm sure so did they they told you like what happened kind of when you were by yourself and you didn't really have anyone to to even be there yeah and I oh gosh I mean I just I think about it you know even being in like the, the hospital and like just how like they just took like the best care of me like even being out there by myself until my family got out there and you know even like you and Jason you know um however you found me you know (laughs) that you're able to like find me and bring me my phone and my you know and that's like you know I'm so grateful for you too I mean that was just you know so sweet of you to be there right away um and like and just all the medical staff like I just had never felt like so taken care of in my life and so just like for how hard of a situation it was. And I think even just the whole hospital stay, like they were just so I'm like, I just, I, um, it made me want to like go back to school to be like a nurse. Cause you just, like, it's amazing. Like what, you know, they do the, like take care of you and it's, they're just so sweet and so like caregiving. And like, I just, um, and, and one of, I feel like there's a couple nurses I really connected well with and um, you know, when she's even followed up with me or we exchanged numbers and she's like texted me just to like follow up and, you know, make sure I'm okay. And I remember I was, um, it took like an extra hour or two to get in for one of my MRIs. And so I was just chatting with her and like, just a really sweet, um, really sweet nurse. And she ended up being one of my nurses for the day I was out there. But um, yeah, no, it was, I mean, then, you know, finally, you know, my parents, and I think even, you know, even after that, they had me on so many medications and things like that, that it was such a blur, like, especially the first 24 hours, like the whole race day is such a blur, like after collapsing. Um, so I don't remember a ton. And I know that they've even asked me that, you know, what do you remember? And then it was like, um, and then even with getting my phone back, like, I just want to make sure, you know, I got a hold of like Jax and like the father and like, you know, where he was to like see him right away and like, you know, hold my family. And, and then I, I also wanted to like, kind of, um, post, you know, at least on Instagram, just so people knew, you know, kind of what was going on too. I know a lot of my athletes were tracking me and just people yeah. that, you know, cause I'd posted my bib number. So I at least wanted people to know, like I was okay. And, um, you know, um, you know, doing well and, um, you know, in the hospital and then like, yeah, so after, and then my parents ended up flying out there. So my mom and stepdad came out there, which was like so sweet of them to like get out there as soon as possible. And they stayed basically in the hospital with me for those few days that they wanted me to, um, of course I was also trying to like get them to let me go home and get the procedure done in Minnesota. Cause at that time I'm like, I just can't be away from my son. I think it's like the mm-hmm. longest I'd been away from Jack. So that was like probably the hardest was being away from him for those like that week or like till Friday. Um, 
but then like I mean yeah and then going under too for the procedure was scary I'm like the last thing I want is like for something and I was just like talking before I'm like you know thinking of like all the worst case scenarios of going under for surgery I'm like like I'm gonna be okay right like I'm not gonna you know or like you just hear the horror stories that can happen with like surgeries too so I think that was really hard to going in for that so soon after like the last thing I wanted to be was you know, knocked out again um, for, you know, the procedure. But then, of course, once I had that, um, you know, felt a lot better. I mean, of course, being in Boston, it's, you know, some of the best in the country for um, being at Tufts Medical Center and the physicians that were um, doing the procedure. So I I knew I was in good hands being out there, too. And, um, you know, just all the support from everyone. I just, um, I was just so overwhelmed. And I still get, you know, a little bit overwhelmed um, with it, too. But I just, I, I, you know, people are just so unbelievable after, you know, and that's what also makes it so special with the running community and like with our team is just being so connected on Instagram and just everyone I was able to connect with. And then, you know, finding out all the first responders and the team and, you know, what had actually happened. It was like getting all those pieces put together on like, you know, who were the first people to the scene, like, you know, you know, what did happen? Cause I like, I just don't remember anything from collapsing to waking up in the ambulance. So it's like, you know, how did I actually get brought back to life and like, and all that. So it's like amazing to like, to hear that story was amazing. And then, um, did you ever meet like, um, I know some of the, the runners who stopped to like give you CPR, but the people who maybe like were the first on the scenes weren't they like spectators who like lived just on that road and she was like a nurse or something did you ever like get in contact with her yeah so um so marie marie was that she's a she was a retired cardiac nurse i think she had retired like a year previously yeah so i mean the collapse outside of anyone's house so yeah her house was right on the course whoa yeah so she her and Cameron um her um her son's friend Cameron like were the first ones to the scene and he was in nursing school too so yeah so she's yeah retired cardiac nurse um he was in nursing school so they both um and they thought I'd maybe twisted my ankle or something so when they saw me go down they thought I had just maybe like slipped and fallen but then when they got out there they saw my ear tips turning blue and you know immediately flipped me over and started giving me CPR so that was whoa yeah but I did talk to them after and then Cameron was on the, the doctors with me or he did the show the doctors um and yeah and then Maria I've been in contact with her too um a, a little bit I guess it's um we haven't connected since right after Boston as much but um yeah I, I've been able to talk with everyone that was involved which is wow it was like such a group effort, like, cause I know there were some other runners that kind of stopped and helped as well. And it, it just was like such a blessing that so many people were around who were trained in the CPR, um, who like really knew kind of how to, to do that. Cause I think in some instances, like me, for example, I'm, I mean, I'm CPR certified through, I mean, I'm sure you were too, um, when you were a personal trainer and all that stuff. But I think in the cases of like us ever needing to use that, it's slim to none. But for someone who was like a firefighter or a cardiac nurse, it's like they probably, you know, do that on a pretty regular basis. So it's it's just such a blessing that, you know, people with like a lot of experience were, uh, were right there. And there were so many people around to like see it right away. So that's it's just crazy that if it had to happen, um, being in Boston. Yeah. Well, and that's just it too. And, and I think about that because it's just, you know, as hard as it is to happen when it did at, at the same time, 
I mean, I don't think I would be near, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be here if it didn't happen when it did, you know, like, you, I mean, just to have all those people there and, and even them like talking to them after, um, you know, and Nick, like seeing him at this finish line, like the day before when we were all down there together, like for him to just happen to be one of the first of the scene with being like, you know, that closely behind me on the course and, um, and even like he said, he's like, you know, it's just, it's part of, you know, you see someone go down and you see an emergency situation and that's just, he's like, that's just like what I do. You know, I'm a firefighter and I get, you know, that's what I do for a living. And like, you don't really think like you just act and you go and like, um, go and help. And so it, it just, you know, to them, it's so, you know, it's just like what they do. And it, so it's just incredible that like, yeah, that he was there. Um, his friend Tanner, that's a physician assistant was there, um, David, who um, happens to know a friend of mine out in Sacramento, um, he was there too. I guess he's like, if you're, you know, if your sternum's a little bit sore, I came up and gave you two cardiac thumbs. They really get your heart rate going. And then I think then, you know, they had all, you know, stayed until they knew I was, you know, the next care team was there. So then it was, uh, um, you know, they had come with the, the AD, they got me hooked up to the AD. They shocked me a few times in the course. I think they said like my eyes had flickered, flickered, but I didn't quite come back to, to like it. I was still in VFAB. And then finally, when they got me in the ambulance on the Lucas machine, which is like the automatic CPR machine. Oh, yeah. And then they put me on medication or an IV. Then I finally woke up because I even look at the time on my hurry monitor of like how much time had passed. And then also being like shot off in the ambulance. So you can see like the dot go from like here to all of a sudden, like all the way across, like, um, you know, from that. So it's kind of crazy because until I woke up and was able to shut my heart rate monitor off or my watch off, like it was, right. you know, tracking through that whole time. And so, and then it was neat to see that like they had kept my heart going. So I was at least, you know, even though I was in VFAB, they were still keeping like the blood flowing and like all my vital organs healthy and like, you know, cause it's so critical and, you know, even more, um, you know, I, I feel like after, you know, you when it happens to you that now, then you start to like hear all these like stories and like that, you know, maybe people that aren't as fortunate. And then like, even when it comes to cardiac arrest and, you know, it's scary because, you know, even in like the U.S., it's like 500,000 plus people die and outside the hospital, you have like, you know, less than 12% chance of survival. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think even if you do have someone there, like it, it won't necessarily, you know, even if, I mean, bystander CPR awareness, um, and just bystander CPR uh, in general is, you know, the number one lifesaver for people. And I know that's something too, but with me not going to Boston this year, they had said with COVID that they weren't going to be doing the expo this year. So they just thought maybe 2023, we'll have more time to do planning and then get everything ready. And um, I think too, it was just maybe a little soon, really only being six months. And um, I think, you know, next year will be a perfect time to go back and um, help with promoting a lot of that. And I know we want to do something a lot bigger with it. Um, but we just, yeah, so that, that's part two with not going out there this year. Initially, I was going to be going out there. And then he was like, well, you know, with COVID, we're not going to be doing the, the CPR bystander awareness and stuff like that. So I know, yeah, definitely something we want to do long term. And um, yeah, now that it's happened, like I, um, you know, would love to um, you know, like we, yeah, definitely want to do something bigger with it and, you know, continue spreading awareness around it. Cause you know, it's, um, it does save lives and if it can help save more lives, um, I think that's, you know, a really good thing that, you know, of course we want um, people to know CPR and, you know, and now it's so basic, you know, it's just basically chest compressions. And, you know, if, if you can, you know, be there just to give someone chest compressions, at least give them a fighting chance and be there within those first minutes, um, you know, hopefully that, yeah. 
but totally it's like the matter of like life or death and it, it's something that pretty much anyone you know can learn to do and the more people who can do it the better because kind of in your case I think people like they uh they take turns doing it because it can be pretty um physically demanding to to be doing CPR like by yourself so yeah I think that's an awesome cause and definitely people should follow you on Instagram for when you kind of come up with some of those um the things that you have planned for later this year or in the future with all that CPR awareness stuff that you're you have on your plate yeah definitely not that yeah and then um how was like your recovery going and everything so so much on the Boston and I know like the procedures in the hospital and then finally getting to come home and there was so much buzz kind of around that October time and then you know some people were reaching out to me like how's Megan how's Megan and I know people can kind of follow you on uh, Instagram and social media and see but maybe hearing from like you how has that gone from October to where we are today in April yeah I um, the first week, so yeah, so coming home, it took a little bit just for the the stitches and for the ICD to completely heal. So I think one of the hardest things coming home was not being able to pick up my or pick up Jack, basically. Like, um, I feel like that was like the hardest thing. I couldn't really carry him at first because I could only lift, um, I think less than maybe ten pounds or something like that for the first. So I had a lot of help with. Um, with the father being here and, and my parents and um and people helping with that too just so I could still be home with him but um have them help with certain things so um so that took the first couple of weeks to kind of heal from and then um and then after that I met with you know pretty soon after met with the the ARVC doctor here um I mean of course something with it being common a common condition that can happen with athletes they they wanted to first meet with him and with the the heart institute here and and get you know any further testing done and they'll also get the testing from tufts medical center here um and the mris they had done um so so we had met with that they had me do genetic testing um they had me do a cat scan and some of those um more um or yeah so or just kind of um just to kind of check everything out you know from the, the instance now I feel like one of the hardest things with testing is they now with having an ICD they they can't do a um, like a duplicate MRI which mm. is interesting I'm, I'm hoping I think there's been a lot too just personally I would like to see you know with like medical advances I, I think nowadays like with technology I think there's a lot more um that I, that I would think, you know, with like the medical community, the things that should be taken into consideration and, you know, hopefully maybe for the future, um, you know, because that's one thing it's, you know, it's just interesting that like I have an ICD now, but I can't get MRIs now to like really duplicate, you know, from right. where my heart was and the inflammation with myocarditis from, you know, Tufts Medical Center and what they had said, you know, leaving there and still having like a lot of unknowns um, with, you know, what had actually put me in the cardiac arrest outside of you know, just the basic um, explanation of, you know, myocarditis and just a storm of things with racing and the intensity that day and um, just enough to put me into to V-fib since, since they say everyone has myocarditis, they just don't have it to the extent to actually put them in the cardiac arrest. So mine just must have been elevated from, you know, some, you know, from like oh. COVID and just some of those different factors. Um, but, yes. you know, from initially, but then, so then I've done testing back home, they did a CAT scan, they, um, 
you know, they're like, your heart is functioning beautifully. You know, even with going mm-hmm. through cardiac arrest, they said my heart is still really strong and healthy. You know, I think just another reason why I survived is just having a really strong, healthy heart and, right. and being a runner and really active. Um, I would say like the first month, um, you know, he just wanted me, you know, leaving Tufts, he had just said, focus on easy running, like yoga and bar class would be fine. Um, you know, as like your ICD heals and like, and you're feeling good to um, like do some like strength training and things like that. He just said, you know, just make sure to keep everything like a conversational pace for running and yep. to just keep your heart rate lower. Um, so, and of course with anything, you know, outside of, you know, finding out that like, thankfully, you know, genetic testing that came back negative um, for ARVC or any of those conditions. So, so kind of, you know, best case scenario after what's happened has been, you know, hopefully can just, you know, kind of resume regular training still being cautious to, you know, be careful with my heart rate, um, and just anything I'm feeling, you know, it's, I feel like that's been the hardest thing with training now is I've, I've really only had maybe a, a workout or two where I've had to stop the workout just for mm. maybe pushing a little bit too hard, you know, like maybe thinking like, I still have to give myself like the, you know, like, like Megan, just, run, you know, run it at like a fast pace, but you don't need to like crush the workout, you know, like just, right. you know, it's just, so I, I've had a lot of just really good workouts and even racing, like my 10 mile race a few weeks ago, just going out and enjoying it, not race racing it, just, you know, feeling good and still being able to like push the pace, but not maybe like how I would do workouts before. I feel like I, you know, if I started a workout too fast, I would just hold the pace on as long as I could and just, you know, get as much as I could out of the workout and still, you know, run as hard as I could. I, I think now I just have to be a little bit careful to not, you know, overdo it. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to give myself like the, the wiggle room of like, Oh, I'm feeling tired today. Like, Oh, right. just stop the workout, you know? So I feel like it's such a fine line between a lot of stuff. Um, but at the same time, like, it's just, it's been fun coming back to workouts now that like testing has all come back really good. And, um, and, you know, I think it might be a little bit of time. I now, you know, after doing follow-up visits and a lot of my testing coming back really good and, you know, um, giving my heart time to heal and um, just monitoring my heart rate with every workout. And, um, you know, it just gives me a lot of hope that, you know, now longer term, I, I'm hoping that I can maybe come back to, you know, PRing again. You know, I love to think to be able to do another marathon. I'll probably maybe wait till 2023 and focus on, like 10Ks, half marathons, um, you know, st- still racing well, but maybe just not pushing quite as hard or just being a little bit more like focus on, um, you know, still like being able to do workouts, but maybe just, yeah, maybe not pushing myself to the extreme that I have in the past with training. And, um, but then longer term, I mean, I, w- I would love to think I can come back to regular marathoning and, and being a stubborn runner. I mean, I feel like I'm going into like the best years of my training. These are yeah. like the years I've waited for, for, you know, it's like, right. 30, you know, I'm going to be 35 this year and they say, you know, women peak with marathon and you see all these women just crushing it, you know, even going into their forties. So it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to think that I'm going into like the best years of my running. And that was even, you know, going into Boston and to think that I'm not able to you know, fully like reach still like all my goals and dreams and potential of like what I want to do. So I I feel like the unknown these for the first months were really hard, you know, of thinking like, what if I do have ARVC or they do, you know, they do find out that I'm not, not able to ever come back to doing a workout. Like, can you imagine never being able to do a running workout again? Like, it that was, would like, be hard. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, like, I'm just, I'm too competitive to like not be able to, um, like, you know, still be a marathon. I mean, you know, it's just, it's like who I am as a person. Like, and that was even when I was pregnant, I feel like one of the hardest things when I was pregnant was, I feel like I kind of lost my identity as an athlete when I was pregnant. But at the same time, it was like, 
so amazing being pregnant and, you know, carrying Jacks and, and then coming back and like feeling back to like my old self again, like that was like one of the best feelings. And I feel like, you know, after this incident, it kind of really brought me back to like, I just, if I obviously running's not my life, <laughs> like in general, right. like I, I, there's oh, other yeah. things that are, that like matter and things. But when I think about it, it's like, it's, it's like who I am as a person. Like, I can't imagine, like, I get that. Like if I physically can't come back to where I once was, like, I I know that was something I was going to have to cope with, but I'm just, I'm so happy that I don't have to work, you know, necessarily. Yeah. I don't have to give it up, but I can continue to be an athlete. I can continue to do workouts. I can work with my coach and like, hopefully, you know, yeah, like longer term, like come back to, you know, maybe next year, like even, you know, going out, maybe running Boston as like a fun marathon. And then maybe thinking of like, you know, racing grandma's next year, like I, I'm doing the half this year, which will be fun just to go run it as you know, I, I won't all probably race it quite, but you know, also run it at like a good pace. Um, and so focus on, you know, kind of easing back into and maybe TC 10 mile for the fall, maybe thinking to be able to come back and race it. But um, yeah, I'm hoping long term, I can, you know, still come back to you know what I was doing pre-incident basically you know just kind of like postpartum exactly. you know, coming back from pregnant so like that's pregnancy that's what I'm hoping you know for this too so that's just yeah yeah and easing back into it and then focusing like you said on the things that you can do instead of like maybe the things you can't and you seem to be doing you know quite quite a bit um in terms of like uh, like, you know, running mileage and just doing some workouts, even though you're not going, you know, to the same effort level, um, that you used to maybe, but did they specify like your doctors? Are they like, just kind of take it easier or are you like at risk for this happening again? Or what has been like their advice in terms of like figuring out how to like navigate coming back and introducing small workouts? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like they say, it's already happened one time, you know, mm-hmm. the likeliness of it happening again, obviously puts me at like a higher risk. Okay. Right? And and so now having an ICD though, it at least gives me the safety of knowing that, you know, if I, I were out like around the lakes doing a workout by myself and something were to happen, at least the ICD is implanted to basically jumpstart my heart. So I kind of have a built-in AED that if it does happen again, it's there as like a life-saving measure. And it's, you know, 95%, I want to say effective. I mean, it's hard because there is still a room of air, of course, with anything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but that's so, I mean, it's, and I never have, want to have to use that, right? So even with doing workouts, exactly. it's like, it's great to have it, but at the same time, like, I just, I, I hope I never experience it again or, right. you know, anything like that happens. So, I mean, their advice is just, you know, um, yeah, just, I, I think a lot, even when I left Tufts Medical Center, like the doctor had said, just use common sense, you know, and I think that's even now, it's just kind mm-hmm. of being a little bit more like common sense with it and, that like, if I am maybe feeling, you know, some of that, um, you know, dizzy or any, you know, anything that could potentially, you know, just any of those. And they had said, they're like, you should kind of know if like something's feeling abnormal now. I think now that I've also kind of gone through it, at least gives me the warning signs a little bit clearer. So I I think at least with, you know, if I am in the workout and like, I'm feeling a little bit, um, you know, out of the ordinary, right. Or something that like that, it is probably a good idea just to stop the workout and um, maybe just, you know, relax a little bit more that day. So I just, um, I mean, at the same time, yeah, just kind of common sense and, and just being careful. They, I think my first appointment going and I met with a doctor that um, 
I kind of walked into the office and she was like, I, I don't specialize in this, um, but I'm going to tell you right away, like, you're never going to be able to do marathons again. And it was like the first thing she said to me. And I was like, are you like, you realize that like, I just don't, you know, like, obviously there's not a lot of background on my medical chart on like me as a runner, but I'm like, that is like the worst thing you could possibly say to me right now, you right. know? Um, so I feel like that was, and then she even said like, you know, and then even talking to the ARBC doctor, he's like, you know, we're still gonna like look into things. And he's like, just cause your genetic testing came back negative. Um, you know, and we just want to really confirm that it's not ARBC. And, um, he even told me in the same appointment, he's like, we've told people that they have ARBC before. And then we find out like a year or two later that they don't have it. And it's like, mm -hmm. I'm like, if you're going to tell me I have ARBC, like you need to be just a hundred percent for sure, because this is a really big deal. You know, like right. some people, it might not ever affect them. They might not even work out, you know, like they, you know, they just, you know, they might not affect their life at all, but like me, it would like affect every part of my life. So I feel like that's like, you know, it, there's just such a difference yeah. in diagnosis. It's like, I don't know. So that yeah. was like, you know, and, and me with them, but it's, um, I mean, based off, you know, how trains been going and, um, and things like that. I mean, just looking at my heart rate and, um, just making sure my heart rate's not getting too high and, um, just, just staying in tune, you know, staying in tune with things and like, um, but no workouts have been going good. It's just like, now it's like, I just feels good to like go push my body hard again. Cause it, you know, I, for like four months, I wasn't able to really do workouts or to even get my heart rate up. So now just to go and like run hard and like, um, that's, it just felt really good to like come back to workouts and training's been going, um, pretty well. I just feel like, you know, I'm just excited for it to be nice out again. Cause our weather like always oh, is like, terrible right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for anyone listening, we're recording on April 14th and it snowed today. So it's just, oh, brutal out there. <laughs> Yeah, so no, it'll be um. So yeah, so no, it's exciting. To, you know, I feel like timing wise, at least it's um. You know, our best months of training are coming up, and it'll just be fun to um. Yeah, so now it's just you know, yeah, it's just being able to run every day and to be able to ease it back into workouts and um, just I don't know, maybe just staying a little, little more relaxed is um, which has been good. Yeah, so no, it's, it's all good things now. I yeah, it definitely took those first months over really hard. I'm um, coming back from Boston though and. I'm um, just the unknown and not really knowing what was going to happen. So it's just, it's nice. I have a lot of answers now and, and now just, they'll be monitoring my heart too, um, which I'm still waiting for them to um, send me the machine that will be um, basically monitoring my ICD. So every 91 days, it will send them like a snapshot of my heart. Wow. And if there has been any abnormal activity or like anything like that. So it, it is nice, like, you know, with the ICD, at least they'll be able to have all that information too. So just hoping, you know, things, you know, as I'm back to regular training, like things will just keep sending, like saying, like, you know, your heart looks good, things look good, you know, let's just, I don't right. know. So I'm just hoping for the best, you know, so okay. yeah. So, but, but yeah, so, but things are, I'd say the most normal now that they've been, you know, since the incident, you know. Yeah. So. And that's so cool that they have all of that technology. Like you have a life-saving device or whatever happened again, they're able to do all this genetic testing. They were able to see on the MRI was the myocarditis. Like there's just so many positives of living in an age where we have the technology available and it's so cool that they can like record the data of your heart the last 90 days and like look at it. So <laughs> it's just really cool stuff. And it, it's good that you're getting answers and just trusting that process of easing back into things and um hopefully like your your best years <laughs> are ahead of you and and Jax gets to watch you do some races so that's fun yeah no for sure oh my gosh I'm sorry I just um 
oh my gosh, I don't know what just happened. I have a little bit of a... <laughs> oh, you're coughing. Yeah. Well, now is maybe like a good time to, to wrap things up. So I was really great having you on the podcast and it was good to um, get a recap of like everything you've kind of been through with Boston. And I know a lot of people were curious to hear from you because I know you were kind of on a few podcasts and, and news stuff like right after it happened. But a lot of people are like, how's it going? How is she doing now? So now that everyone's kind of been updated in the last six months and we they can continue following you on your Run for PR's Instagram account where you will sometimes post your training on there. So that's always a fun thing to follow. So thanks for joining me and sharing your story. Yeah, no, of course. So thank you for having me. I know I feel like we're almost at an hour and a half. So I, I really appreciate anyone that, you know, has listened to this podcast. Um, of course, if you ever have any questions, you can reach out to me directly um, on my email too. So um, you can always send me an email. Um, always love the chat running. So um, or if anyone has, you know, further questions or, you know, maybe, you know, similar things that have happened to them or, um, you know, just um, always, always here too to um, and I'll keep, yeah, I'll keep sharing my training as well. And um, yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So. Yeah. So if anyone's looking to reach out to Megan or work with her on a trial or something, you can fill out the form on our website, www.runforprs.com. And we can get you set up working with Megan if you leave a note saying you want to work with her. So thanks for tuning in.